You're listening to the Wally Local History Podcast, researched, written, and narrated by Jean Lord. This episode is kindly sponsored by the Wally Local History Group. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, please click to follow to ensure that you're notified of each new episode. Calderstone's Hospital, the building, the cemetery, evacuation, and the Booth Hall babies. It is not difficult nowadays to find the story of Calderstones on the internet. It is a fascinating story of success during two world wars, how a newly built asylum was commissioned by the War Office for use in World War I, its refit to go back to its original use, then commissioned again by the War Office in World War II. The story is a long one. So, as you would expect, some details, which sometimes make unsavoury reading, are left out. You will very rarely see a mention about the cemetery, the people buried there, or the Booth Hall babies evacuated at the start of World War II, and the fight by the Friends of the Cemetery to stop the deconsecrating of the site by a company wanting to build a crematorium. Researching back to its birth, I wonder how it ever got built at all. Objection after objection by other Lancashire towns who were also interested in having the asylum in their locality. I have an avid capital document which records sale of land by Colonel John Hargreaves in 1905, purchase price of £22,663, two shillings and sixpence. Amended in 1906 for an asylum with a purchase price of £23,000, with a further purchase of additional land in 1912 for £947.16.03. The idea for an asylum was born in 1903. It was estimated at that time that there were 13,000 to 14,000 certified pauper lunatics in the country, in workhouses or on hospital wards, some of these needing asylum treatment with a view to a cure, but not enough facilities. So a suggestion of an asylum at Wally was born. So the wrangling and the red tape began. First there were objections to the site. The site has Clay, 40 feet thick, and is impervious. It is too near to the calder, which is filthy. Ancient footpath leading through the site. The latter one was the reason for the 1905 purchase abandoned. However, Colonel John Hargreaves, after many meetings by the LCC board and parish council, agreed to reroute and at his own cost build a wall and plant a forest of ornamental trees along the route, as can be seen today. So permission granted. Objections continued from Bolton and Bury, Great Harwood and other Lancashire towns. Next came the proposals for the building. Would it be block system or villas? Trips to other countries on the continent were organised to see the villa systems much praise for their home-like qualities. This also caused lengthy discussions often abandoned until later dates. 
I have mentioned the clay being 40 feet thick and thus seen with wally arches suitable for brickmaking. Objections were tabled by Lancashire Brickmakers Commission in 1908, who objected on the grounds that using that clay available on site and making bricks by brickmakers employed by Calderstones would go against their rules. Mr Green of Wally then counteracted by saying, in that case and using that criteria, he would object to Clitheroe Board of Guardians making and selling firewood. The objection was withdrawn and an advert went out forthwith for a manager of the brickworks at a wage of £3 per week and work began, although even now things were not all plain sailing. In 1910, tenders for building were put out and R. Neal and Sons' tender was accepted. This company was then responsible for employing all the individual trades associated with a building programme of this size. Things got underway, but very soon the company hit problems with cash flow, and in 1911 building stopped. 1912, R. Neal and Sons filed for bankruptcy which now required the board to advertise for new tenders. Meanwhile, a branch railway into the site to bring coal and a platform long enough for a full train was being constructed. The bridge over the road and main surface drains carrying water from Blackburn Corporation Main two miles away, underway. Eventually, all main objections and problems were overcome and the first of around 2,000 expected arrived in the new buildings whilst work continued. I will brush over the massive job of equipment, staffing and other arrangements whilst World War I was brewing and move on to the completion, just in time to be handed over to the War Office. What happened next is well documented with stories of the excellent care and rehabilitation of many instances of the military personnel brought to Calderstones from the battlefields like the Somme, in train carriages now identified with letters, whether carrying stretchers, sitting or walking wounded, nearly 60,000 in all, some with little hope of recovery. So it now became necessary to have a piece of land consecrated for burials on the other side of Mitten Road for a cemetery. The service in 1916 was conducted by the Bishop of Burnley and dedicated with full due process within legal terms of consecration, which I shall read at the end of this podcast. It closed as Queen Mary's Military Hospital in 1920 and after another refit, it opened again in June 1921, and by the end of that year had 714 patients of the proposed 2,100, 1,050 male, 1,050 female. Surplus military uniforms and clothing were used until 1930, when a new wardrobe adopted with a set of best clothes for Sundays. Clothes were locked away at night, discouraging absconding. 
Men and women were segregated, including visiting times, when they were allowed one hour once a month on Saturday afternoons. It was now known as an institution. Rehabilitation work, training in all kinds of trades was in operation, working on wards, laundry, shoemaking, tailoring, farming, map making and working in the school. 401 were unemployable. There was a church where again one side for women and one for men with separate entrances. Commissioned again in World War II by the War Office now meant patients had to be moved around to accommodate the 18,000 troops wounded from Dunkirk and German prisoners of war and evacuees from other parts of the country. Half of the site was given over to the War Office and patients moved from Calderstones to Brockhall. Amongst the evacuees were the Booth Hall babies from Manchester. As mentioned at the start of this story, rarely mentioned in the history of Calderstones, but resulted in a group called Friends of Calderstone Cemetery being formed. 217 babies, children and their staff were removed to what was perceived to be the safety of Calderstones in Worley, in the rural Ribble Valley. All this was achieved in one day a huge logistical undertaking. Sadly, several of these extremely sick babies, aged between 29 days and 12 months and the months in between, were to die. Thirteen were buried in the cemetery in the most prominent position at the entrance. They were buried according to the religion, Roman Catholic on one side of the path and Church of England on the other all with white stone headstones bearing their name. Today in the cemetery there are 1,172 men, women and babies lying beneath a neglected field who over the years have been called imbeciles, subnormal, mentally handicapped or patients depending on the time frame. Once beautifully marked with a white stone, bearing their name. Now, as will be described, robbed of their identity by a greedy landowner who performed what must be seen as a criminal act of demolishing all the headstones, some broken off and piled at the top corner in an arrangement that to all intents and purposes looked like a garden of remembrance. Since the NHS sold the graveyard into private hands, it has had 11 owners that we know of. From an original purchase price of £5,000, today a price of £2 million would be more likely. On March 30, 2019, an application was made by the Archdeacon of Blackburn to the bishop to lift the legal effects of consecration from parts of the cemetery in support of the owner to build a crematorium. Worley Parish Council strictly objected to the application to no avail. This is a company from Milton Keynes, and the search will show that amongst the 11 name changes we know of since the original sale, the same names often appear as directors.
the three-year planning application rule does not apply, as consent was given in 2019 for perpetuity. However, few records are available confirming this transaction, and the officer's concern no longer available. This was very short-sighted, as highways have no voice now, even though since then Calderstone's housing estate has expanded. There is a thriving industrial estate, Monk's Cross housing estate, corn mills expanding, and the Calderstone staff houses demolished and a whole new complex in their place, all using Mitten Road for access and exit. The plan submitted several times now only allocates around 34 parking spaces, including staff. Obviously, the funeral procession of cars will have no option but to park on Graves or Mitten Road. Nevertheless, due to the diligence by the friends, certain things were pointed out. Drawings were resubmitted by the owner to the planning office who rejected them on the grounds that trees and bats would be disturbed. But the friends were advised that planning consent did not cover bodies in the ground. There are several rules in place in relation to the building of a crematorium. One, it cannot be built on consecrated ground. Two, it cannot be built within 200 yards of a domestic dwelling house unless the owners are given consent. These two rules alone should make it impossible to continue, and the owners of a house in the vicinity strongly objected. However, even though the company was not to start work until the ground had been deconsecrated, the diggers arrived, and although, against the rules, preliminary work began preparing the site. The entrance was boarded up and notices of a threatening nature posted against gaining admittance to the site. It was now that the friends put all the knowledge gained so far to good use, spreading the word and gaining support from other knowledgeable groups, the Calderstones and Brockhall community and our MP Nigel Evans, to write to the Bishop Julian of Blackburn Diocese to reject deconsecration. When the letter came to say Bishop Julian agreed with us and that no deconsecration could occur, the friends were elated. Unfortunately, the bishop added a clause to the effect that it wasn't to say that if the situation changed in the future, it may yet go ahead. As Bishop Julian has now retired, we understand there is again a move to reapply. However, the bishop may have gone, but the friends have not. They will campaign tirelessly to stop the deconsecrating and desecration of the graves of these unfortunate people who had precious little in life and deserve to rest in peace. But today they lie there in this unkempt field next to the pristine Commonwealth War grave section. The whole sorry saga leaves a bitter taste and a lot of questions. Meanwhile, the friends are continuing with their research, and Dennis Buckley is giving talks on the story 
as more and more graveyard plans begin to emerge, which prove that the graves have already been disturbed, including the Booth Hole babies. A right-of-way to Commonwealth War graves became apparent. The Garden of Remembrance with urns containing ashes have been unearthed, and that area graveled right to the edge of the baby's graves. It goes without saying that the rules covering the removal or disturbance of graves and the deceased are many and complicated. And although this company seems to think they don't apply to them, they really do. The removal of headstones for a start is illegal. The plot where the deceased lies belongs to them, and the strict rules apply to any removal. I will now read the Bishop of Burnley's Consecration Address, dated June 1916. God, who has taught us, by the example of thy holy servants in all ages, to set apart places where the bodies of thy saints may rest in peace and be preserved from all indignities, while their souls are kept in the hands of their faithful Redeemer. We meekly beseech thee, O Father, to accept this charitable work of ours, in setting apart this portion of ground, the Calderstone Cemetery, in solemn manner for this purpose, to bless and sanctify this resting place, and grant to us all, when we fall asleep, a safe and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Unquote. Preserved from all indignities, who knew? This is not the end. Read the Calderstone Cemetery online. The whole sorry saga is there. And if you feel it is something worth fighting for, join the Friends of Calderstones and Brockhall Facebook page and add your voice when the time comes. My thanks to Dennis Buckley for his dedication and commitment throughout, which continues today. The hours of work researching by the Friends of the Cemetery and others. Wally History Group records, including the George Hardman catalogue on World War I and World War II. The Booth Hall Babies. The 13 babies who are known to be buried in the graveyard are James McClellan, aged 29 days, Patricia Cannon, age eight weeks, Gordon Webb, seven weeks, James Ferguson, six months, James Wilkinson, two months, Grace Corcoran, age four months, Robert Eastwood, age 11 months, Fred Laidley, 11 months, James Meacham, three months, Raymond Wilde, three months. Dorothy Fong, 12 months. Leslie Howard, six months. Maureen Whiteleg, aged six months. May they rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to know more, please go to Worley Local History, the Facebook group, and ask to join. 
And if you're in Worley or visiting Worley, please go to Worley Old Grammar School where we have a heritage room. In there you'll find lots of photos and information about Worley local history. See you next time.